0: Good morning, it's March 3rd, and this is To My Liberal Friends. You know, Congress should be a place where members can get along and work together. Now, there'll be partisan differences always, but it should never rise to the level of personal attacks and hyper-partisanship. When I first went to Washington, D.C. in 1977, I was working in the personal office of a United States Senator, Senator Warren Hatch. Our office was on the sixth floor of the Dirksen building, typical for a freshman senator. Most of the other offices on the floor, particularly in that hallway, were taken by committee staff. Right across from us was an office with staff members to the chairman of the Labor and Human Resources Committee, Harrison Williams, a Democrat from New Jersey. But we formed a close friendship with them, and since my boss, Senator Orrin Hatch, was on the committee, we worked together. Some years later, I returned to the committee staff, and Senator Hatch was the ranking Republican on the committee. I can remember working closely with staff from Senator Kennedy's office to pass critical public health legislation. Kennedy was a top Democrat, and over the years, he and Senator Hatch worked closely on major pieces of health care legislation. Senator Hatch also worked with Congressman Henry Waxman, a liberal Democrat from California, and they wrote what became known as the Hatch-Waxman Amendments to the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Those amendments basically set the groundwork for the generic drug industry. Senator Hatch worked with Senator Metzenbaum to write the Orphan Drug Act, which allowed incentives for companies to develop therapeutic therapeutic drugs for rare diseases. I can also remember the Graham-Rudman Act, which attempted to place some spending constraints on federal budget. It was a bipartisan effort to control spending. I mention these things as evidence that Congress can work together and have in the past. Some of you might remember President Ronald Reagan and then Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill, engaging in mutual discussions on what has become a hot topic again, Social Security. They demonstrated in 1983, however, that bipartisan action can happen in swift and surprising terms on the thorniest and most insoluble of issues. Like all history analogs, the 1983 Social Security compromise was not perfect, but it got something done. Somewhere along the way, this idea of working together to solve difficult problems facing the nation got lost. In my opinion, it started to go downhill after the 2000 election. Liberal Democrats became convinced and basically enraged that somehow George W. Bush had stolen the election by getting a narrow win in Florida. The outgoing Clinton White House staffers proceeded to remove all of the W keys from the keyboards in the White House. As a point of order, I should point out that it was Democrats at that time that were the election deniers. Over and over, they repeated the mantra that somehow Bush had stolen the election from Al Gore. They seem to forget that today. Of course, it was not true, just as it was not true that Donald Trump had the election stolen from him. But that set us on a course of hyper-partisanship that we've not backed away from yet. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is trying to change some of that and get back to working across the aisle when necessary. Speaker McCarthy is determined to reduce whatever needless partisanship he can in the House. I don't pretend that Republicans and Democrats will continue to disagree, but their leaders need not be in a perpetual personal war with each other. As evident of his intent, Speaker McCarthy invited the minority leader, Hakeem Jeffries, to to join when the speaker is individually briefed by the intelligence community. Now that's a courtesy the previous speaker, Nancy Pelosi, denied him when he was a minority leader. Mr. McCarthy is of the opinion that what a speaker knows on issues affecting national security, the minority leader should know as, as well. Too bad Nancy Pelosi didn't figure that out. When Speaker McCarthy formed the Select Committee on China, he again consulted Mr. Jeffries on who would be on the committee. Speaker McCarthy thought it appropriate that a speaker discuss such actions in advance with the opposition so that the latter wasn't blindsided and could play a role in shaping the committee. The result was a committee that seems to work together And the committee's first preliminary actions, its first hearing Tuesday, and comments from both Chairman Mike Gallagher, a Republican from Wisconsin, And ranking Democrat Raja Krishmuthi, Democrat from Illinois, seem to be working well together. The biggest step that Speaker McCarthy has taken in working together with minority at times is returning the House to its regular order. And I've spoken about this in the past, and it means that no longer will members from both sides sit around waiting for leadership to craft a massive bill covering everything. What it means is funding the government with the number of appropriations bills that are required and passing them before the fiscal year starts, not some gigantic omnibus negotiated by the leadership. What you will not see from Speaker McCarthy is the childish behavior exhibited by his predecessor, Nancy Pelosi. Ms. Pelosi was a hyper-partisan and treated the minorities as if they were meaningless and not to be consulted on anything. I was appalled when at the State of the Union, given by then-President Donald Trump, at the conclusion she stood up and ripped the speech in half. Can you imagine the outrage if a Republican did that to a Democratic president who had just finished his State of the Union? There's a certain decorum that should exist in the chamber, but obviously Ms. Pelosi did not seem to think it applied to her. Perhaps she had eaten a little too much of her expensive ice cream. Over in the Senate, I would hope that some form of bipartisanship, bipartisanship can exist as well. The majority leader, Chuck Schumer, continues to say inflammatory comments and diminish the minority as he tries to ram President Biden's agenda through the Senate. He has to now realize with the Republican House, he can no longer have the ability to construct huge reconciliation bills and simply try to jam them through with 50 votes. It won't fly in the House and should never fly in the Senate. And President Joe Biden doesn't do any (coughs) favors for anybody else as he and Chuck Schumer continue to use the term MAGA Republicans. It's a degenerative term and it's meant to insult millions of Americans. Now there's been a call even from Democrats to have the Senate return to regular order. That means just in the House that the committee should be drafting bills, holding hearings, then sending bills to the floor for a full Senate vote. It would mean no longer could Senator Schumer have his staff put together the big bill as he's done with no debate, no hearings. And I believe Speaker McCarthy has laid out a blueprint on how the House will work under his leadership and I would hope that Majority Leader Schumer would take a look and follow suit. If he does not, then you should realize he's only interested in scoring partisan points and not solving the nation's problems. This has been two my liberal friends. Thanks for listening. They're just my opinions. If you enjoy the podcast, recommend it to your friends and hit the subscribe button.